Hello, and welcome to Sharing Our Journey, a podcast from Harrodsburg Baptist Church, where we're all about sharing our journey toward Jesus. Before we hear from Dr. Paul Gibson, we'd like to invite you to take that journey with us. To find out more, follow us on social media at HBC Harrodsburg or visit harrodsburgbaptist.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you very soon. Good morning. This is Mark Young, and I'm the associate pastor here at Harrodsburg Baptist Church. Well, at least I am here for a couple of more weeks. Uh, God is calling me to serve in another area of the country, and so I will be faithfully following that calling. So I'm going to truly miss everything about HBC and everything about this community, but enough of all that. Let's get into God's Word, and let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Father, that it is a word that guides us and leads us and corrects us and encourages us. And today, Father, that's what we want to do. We want to study your word, and we're looking for encouragement, encouragement from you and how to stay encouraged. So, Father, we just ask that during this time that your spirit uh, speak to us and teach us. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we're going to talk and we're going to be studying Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Now, I, I've wanted to talk about these verses in Hebrews since I took the job as associate pastor here. It just It never really worked out. These are some of my favorite verses. And it's only fitting that I get to talk about them today because it's my desire as the last act officially as the associate pastor here is to encourage you as individuals and to encourage the church as a whole. And that is literally what Hebrews is. It is a letter of exhortation and um, which means it is literally a letter of encouragement. It was written to encourage the early Christians. Um, And the overall theme is that Jesus is better. The, The theme of Hebrews is that Jesus is better. He's better than the law. He's better than the old ways. He's better than the angels. Jesus is better than everything. And that's kind of the basis for this letter. And that's kind of what the encouragement is based around. But I I want us to look and see what the problem really was. Okay, what was the problem that the Christians were facing when this letter was written? And you can stay in Hebrews 12, but I'm just going to read a a few verses beforehand to try to set this up for you. Hebrews 2.1 says, We must therefore pay even more attention to what we have heard so that we will not drift away. We will not drift away. Hebrews 6.12 says, so that you won't become lazy. So that you won't become lazy, 
but will be imitators of those who inherit the promises through faith and perseverance. And finally, Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. And it says, let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works, not staying away from our worship meetings as some habitually do, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we get this picture of what's going on in the early church. These early Christians were drifting away. Now, it, it does not say that they were losing their salvation. It says they were drifting away from their faith. And we get a better picture of this in, in the other verses. They were becoming lazy. They were wavering. They weren't concerned about each other. They weren't promoting love and good works. They were skipping church. And they weren't encouraging each other. That's what it meant by drifting away. They were drifting away from the faith. And I think today in our world, Christians still face these problems every day. So what's the answer? Well, the the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 10, verse 39, this, But we are not those who draw back and are destroyed, but those who have faith. And obtain life. See, the answer to the problem is faith. Faith is what keeps us going. And then the author gives us an extensive list, one of the best chapters in the Bible. I love this chapter. It's, it's Hebrews chapter 11. Some people call it the, uh, the heroes of faith chapter. Um, you know, I think God's the actual hero there, but, but I understand what they're saying. But I want you to listen to chapter 11, just chapter 11. I'm going to read it the way I hear it in my head, and I'm, I'm not going to read the entire chapter at all, um, but I'm just going to hit the highlights, and I, I want you to think about this, okay? So Hebrews chapter 11 says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God. By faith Abel offered, a God, offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. By faith Enoch was taken away. By faith, Noah built an ark. By faith, Abraham set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. By faith, Sarah received power to conceive offspring. By faith, Abraham offered up Isaac. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. By faith, Joseph mentioned the exodus of the Israelites. By faith, Moses was hidden by his parents. By faith, Moses left Egypt behind. By faith, Moses instituted the Passover. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. By faith, Rahab the prostitute welcomed the spies. And what more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength in weakness, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. 
Women received their dead, raised to life again. Other people were tortured, not accepting release so that they might gain a better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings, as well as bonds and, and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They died by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and on mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. That is what faith looks like. Wow. Now, how do we have that kind of faith? How do we have that kind of faith? Well, that brings us to the verses that we're going to study today. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. And it starts off saying, therefore. So we've already read chapter 11. And we've, we've read about all these great acts of faith. And it says, therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, meaning we have testimony as to what happens by faith. We have testimony. We see that. And it says, number one, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Now, this makes perfect sense. What slows us down? What distracts us? What's well, sin? Sin and weight. Now, when you say weight, you're like, what are you talking about? What's weight? Well, this weight's anything. Weight is anything that slows us down. It, it doesn't have to be something bad. It doesn't have to be something terrible. It could be, you know, money. Money in and of itself is not bad. But if it becomes our focus, if it becomes everything, it's a weight. It, it's something that slows us down. Thinking about it like this. I've been watching the uh, qualifying for the Olympics and I've been watching some of the swimmers and it's crazy to see these people. They shave their body. They shave the hair off their arms and legs and chest and everything. They shave their body completely and they wear those really tight, small out, uh, swimmer outfits, swim shorts or whatever you want to call them. And then they put on that little skull cap to cover the hair on their head. I, I've even, the last one I watched uh, was wearing two skull, two skull caps, uh, I guess, to make it even tighter. Um, but why are they doing this? They're doing this because they don't want anything to slow them down. Not even a hair follicle. That's how much they want to be unhindered. That, that even a hair follicle they want removed. As Christians, that's what, we got, that's, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for that life of faith where nothing slows us down. Nothing holds us back. Now, let's be honest with each other. We all know what weighs us down. We know what has a tendency to take priority over our faith. We don't talk about it. We don't want to admit it, but we know what it is. We need to get rid of that stuff. Now, how are we going to get rid of that stuff? Well, we'll come back to that part here in just a second. Let's go on, and I want to look at the uh, next section of this verse, and it says, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. So just so we're not confused here, the race that lies before us, this race that the author is talking about, this race is our life of faith. 
he's using the analogy of a race to talk about our life of faith. So there are a couple things that are important in this section. The first thing is we have to run with endurance. Okay. Talk to any Christian who has been a Christian for an extended period of time, and they will tell you that your life of faith is a marathon. It is not a sprint. It is a marathon. Now, you say that, and people say, well, so what? What what does it matter whether it's a marathon or a sprint? Anybody who's ever had to run knows the difference between the two. The two are ran completely different. Back when I was younger, uh, I played football all through high school, and we had a coach that didn't like us. I'm just kidding. He loved us. But uh, we ran sprints constantly, uh, and we ran them all the time. And I learned the secret to running sprints. There's a key to it. The key is this. Finish in the top. That's all you have to do. Finish towards the top of the group. If you finish towards the top of the group, you get an extended rest period. So you get an, a longer chance to recover. It's, it's simple. So you bust your butt as far as you can to run as hard as you can to get done. And then you have this extended rest period. That's easy. Well, when I was uh, 21, I joined the Kentucky State Police Academy. And much to my dismay, I discovered that the state police were not fans of running sprints. They decided and they wanted to run long distance. They thought it was better for you. And it may be, I don't know. But all I know is I had never run long distance. Now, I was 21 years old, and I was in shape. Um, I, I was somewhat athletic for, you know, a young 21-year-old. So I thought, well, this is no big deal. The first week, we ran like three miles a day. It liked to kill me. I, I couldn't, I mean, it was torture. I couldn't get my breath. My legs were killing me. My side was hurting. I had no idea what I was doing. And I was actually, <laughs> it was funny because the, the guys that I was in the academy with were like, what are you doing? Well, how are you, you know, why are you running like that? What I was doing is I was running really fast like it was a sprint. And then I'd run really slow trying to catch my breath. And then I'd run really fast and really slow. And finally, the, the, the guys that were in my class said, dude, that's not how you run long distance. You need to find a rhythm. Once you find a rhythm, you stick with that rhythm. And, and that's how you run long distance. It's the same way with our faith. If, if, um, if we come out in our faith and we're blazing hot and we're on mission and praying and doing all this kind of stuff and, and joining every committee and, and going to church six times a week and we're just on fire. But in seven months, you never see these people again. They've burned themselves out. Your life of faith is a marathon. It's, it's slow. It takes us a long time for God to teach us things. And, and, and at least it does for me because I'm really slow. But, but it takes a while for us to learn these truths about God and for us to put them into action. So it's a marathon. Um, we're going to come right back to this one also. So just hold on. What I want to get to is this next part. Let's run with endurance the race that lies before us. 
It says, keeping our eyes on Jesus. Okay. Listen, this is the key right here. This is those five words, keeping our eyes on Jesus. That is the key to our race. That is the key to our life of faith. That's the main point. See, a lot of people read this section of Scripture and they see, let us lay aside every weight and sin, and they're like, oh, I can't do that. I've tried to do that. It doesn't work. Or they'll say, you know, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. I can't. I don't have any endurance. I don't have time for that. And they just give up. But this is the main point. If we can keep our eyes on Jesus, then the first and the second points take care of themselves. If we keep our eyes on Jesus, then that weight and sin that slows us down, that stuff starts to fall away. Not by anything that we're doing. Just by growing closer to Jesus. Just by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Those things start to fall away. The next thing is, if we keep our eyes on Jesus, we're able to run with endurance. But even more so, I want to get to the second part of that verse because it's the part that a lot of people miss and a lot of people don't think about is run with endurance the race that lies before us. So if, if we're able to focus on Jesus, that's the only way we can run the race that lies before us, our life of faith that lies before us. Understand this. Your life of faith is yours. God determines your race. God lays out your life and determines your race. And not all races look the same. God calls me to do what God calls me to do. God calls you to do what God calls you to do. And the only way we're going to know that is by keeping our eyes on Jesus. You know, you think about you know, the, the race analogy here, and, and you know that in, in Olympics and all that kind of stuff, when you see runners running the mile and all this kind of stuff, they're all, they all have their own lane that they're supposed to run in. Well, th there's a common saying nowadays that says, stay in your lane. And as Christians, that's what we're called to do. We're called to stay in our lane. We stay in our lane and we focus on Jesus. You're not called to focus on someone else's race. You're not called to set someone else's race for them. You don't tell people or call people to what they're to do in faith. That's God's job. Romans 14, 12 says, So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. You see, in the end, we're accountable. Not for our neighbor's race. We're accountable for our race. We're accountable for our life of faith. And so that's why we need to keep our eyes on Jesus is so that we can run our race. Now, back to endurance. How do we run with endurance? What, what gives us endurance? Well, it's, it's the why. It's the why we do this in the first place. How, we, how do we keep our eyes on Jesus? Or why do we keep our eyes on Jesus? Because he is the source and perfecter. Some translations say the author or the pioneer of our faith. Jesus has been there, and he has done that. He was the only person to live a perfect life of faith. So that's who we look to. We look to Jesus. He's done this. Jesus, who for the joy that lay before him, 
I want you to think about that. Who for the joy, we have the word joy here, that lay before him, endured a cross, and despised the shame. Hold on. There is nothing that makes me think of joy when you talk about enduring a cross and despising shame. We know that the cross was a device of torture, all right? And we know that it was shameful and embarrassing and it was torturous and painful and everything. So how can Jesus, how can Jesus have joy and be focused on joy that lay before him by enduring a cross and despising shame? Well, see, Jesus had his eyes focused on one thing and one thing only. And that was to reunite man and God. That was his purpose. His purpose on this earth was to reunite man and God. We got separated from God, and Jesus was the only way we were going to be reunited with him. And that's what he had his eyes set on. So the joy of that, the joy of reuniting man and God, that caused him to endure a cross and despise the shame. And because of that, he sat down at the right hand of God's throne. I mean, think about that. He sat down at the right hand of God's throne. So us, we are to keep our eyes on Jesus. If we keep our eyes on Jesus, then we can endure whatever we need to endure. We can have that endurance and we can despise anything we need to despise if we keep our eyes on Jesus. Jesus has done it. He's been there. He's done that. It was perfect. And we have the model to look after. Jesus, who now sits at the right hand of God's throne, and because we have our eyes focused on Jesus, he is our mediator. He's ours. So it's, it's just beautiful the way that Christians are called to focus their eyes on Jesus. And you see that Jesus had his eyes focused on reuniting man and God. It's just unbelievable. So what's the, the takeaway? What's the takeaway from all this? Well, I want you to think about Matthew 17, 20. All right, it says, For I assure you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will tell this mountain, move from here to there, and it'll move. Nothing will be impossible for you. You see, as Christians, as the church, if we have just a little faith, then God's going to do amazing things. You want that kind of faith, then you keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep focused on what Jesus has done for you and how he did it and the fact that he now sits victorious on the throne. Do we want God to be glorified in this city? Then let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Do we want to live a life worth living? Then we keep our eyes on Jesus. Do we want to see the church used by God in a powerful way? then we keep our eyes on Jesus. That's my challenge to you today is live a life of endurance. Run your race. Get rid of those weights and do it by keeping your eyes on Jesus. Pray with me. Father God, thank you so much for the perfect example that you have given us. Thank you, Father, that we can look to Jesus and see how to live this life, how to have a life of faith, 
and to see that a life of faith is real and that it's powerful. Father, we just ask that in, in the days to come, in the weeks to come, in our life, that you just help us to keep our eyes on you. Father, the most dangerous prayer we can pray is give us faith. And we pray that today. We pray, Father, that you give us faith. Give us faith so that you, you can be glorified in this city and in this world. Father, all these things we ask always in your will and not ours. Amen. You all have a great day. Thank you for joining us for sharing our journey. If you'd like to join us for worship, we come together on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Harrodsburg Baptist Church, 312 South Main Street, Harrodsburg, Kentucky. For more information, follow us on social at HBC Harrodsburg or visit harrodsburgbaptist.org. As you go, we pray that you will share your journey toward Jesus with others. May the love of the Father, the grace of Jesus, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you.